Welcome to From the Bleachers, the only podcast that recognizes that Real Housewives is a sport in which the women are competing for additional screen time and social media fame. Today, we are analyzing the plays made in Season 13, Episode 14 of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Woo! Show me the money! (laughs) I'm Sandra. I'm Mandy. And yeah, so we've transitioned over. We just finished up Salt Lake City, and now we're getting into Beverly Hills. And so maybe just like really quick impressions of differences between the two. Well, I, rumor has it that this is um, not every season, but right now I would say Beverly Hills is lower stakes. Uh, all the women seem to be far more comfortable sort of in their skin and in front of the cameras. And some mm. of them professionally have done that or have just been on that show for, you know, over a decade. 14 kind of thing. episodes. <laughs> yeah. Season, or 14 yeah. seasons. Yeah. Um, I would say the amount of money is exponentially mm. higher. Like uh, the show me the money is sort of nonstop on these women, which is fun. It's, it's sort of, it distracts me from analyzing the gameplay. <laughs> I'm so gobsmacked by all this money and just like, whoa, look at this lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, something I noticed because I have been watching, I've been, you know, I've watched all the Housewives franchises, but mostly as a casual viewer, you know, like I had this game analysis thing in the back of my head, but I wasn't sitting there like we've done with Salt Lake City for the past 10 episodes and like watching it slowly and like taking down every play and stuff like that. And so I didn't notice how many great plays these women were making until I sat down and did that with this episode. Um, So that was really fun to see like, oh, that's why Kyle has been on our screens for 13 seasons of the show. Like I didn't really recognize it as well until I really started sitting down and and, um, kind of like analyzing it at a deeper level. So that was exciting. I didn't see like a huge amount of face plays. Yeah. I don't think, you know, like they don't have Monica. They don't have like big face players. No, no. They, yeah, I know. Like there was just like, a, like they have very subtle, like eyebrow raised. It's because they're all used to working in TV and in TV and film, you have very small face play. Mm. Monica's more like theater. It's got to be big and broad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I am super excited to hear what you have to say about season 13, episode 14, Aches and Spains. Aches and Spains. Yeah. So we get a little coming up first. Uh, They're going to Barcelona. Sutton is bringing Merce Cunningham's ashes on the trip. Kyle and Sutton want to fix their relationship. The ladies get to Barcelona and they want to tag team their private chef. <laughs> Not all of them, let's be clear. <laughs> Just Garcelle and Erica. Erica gets news that she won the appeal about her 750K earrings. Crystal and rookie Anna Marie are fighting about Crystal allegedly calling herself a socialite off camera. And Crystal plays a car sickness IFI, that's an injury, fear, or illness play. And they're all freaking out and calling 911. Although I imagine it's not 911 in Spain. I had that same thought. I was like, hmm, I don't know that they use that anyway. <laughs> so part one, we get some shots of Barcelona and we're back at, you know, the, the van pulled off to the side of the road and Crystal is playing her IFI, her injury, fear or illness play. She's severely car sick. But she's got, you know, Anna Marie is kind of coming in and playing STCO to her, that shoulder to cry on, and supporting her in this moment and keeps saying, I don't want her to stroke out. I don't want her to stroke out. And at first I'm like, what is she? She's totally over it. Like this woman's just car sick. Like I get severely car sick. And when I get car sick, I feel like I'm going to fa- I actually have fainted before from car sickness. So I'm like, just let her breathe for a minute outside of a moving vehicle, like She'll be fine. Well, Sandra, this is not a ginger ale and walk it off situation. (laughs) (laughs) As Anne-Marie tells us. (laughs) Yeah, that's what Anne-Marie says. Crystal's producing tears. 
And the ambulance gets there and is checking her out and turns out her blood pressure is super high. It's like 177 over something. 180 over 108. Oh. I don't know why I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's really high. I've never had a blood pressure reading that high. And so they decide they need that she needs to go to the hospital and they all let her go alone. Well, Anna Marie wants to go with her, but the production says like Gavin's, we're going to say Gavin, like they won't let them go. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. They would not let Anna Marie go. She wanted to go. Okay. Now it's Anna Marie or Anne Marie. I can never get it straight. I thought it was Anna Marie. Let's look it up. I feel sure we... everyone says Anna Marie, I think, but it's spelled like it would just be Anne Marie. I thought Anna Marie got a nice chance to do a little gloat play, which is not to be confused with all of the goat play we had in Salt Lake City. (laughs) Okay, well, I had this as an error. I had it as an error for everyone, but especially for Anna Marie, because I thought this was a perfect time for her to like, she already did a great job playing at STCO, but I thought it was a great time for her to further that fixing of the relationship with Crystal by going with her. But I missed that they were telling her she couldn't. Yeah. She tried to go. She, I don't know if she could have pushed more or what, but I think she could have, but, but I think production was like, no, <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I think especially first year, right. It's hard to argue with production when you're new. Yeah. Well, so, but it may be that Gavin also speaks Spanish and he was the right person to go. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> Kyle audio. wasn't offering and she speaks enough Spanish to order fish and rice. So, <laughs> Okay. So Crystal goes off. They're entering a chapel now. Erica and Anna Marie exchange brief mirror PTCs and a PTC that's a personal tragedy card. And these are great to play because they um, help endear the audience to you they help endear your fellow players to you get to know a little bit more about you what's behind you um, strengthen relationships all that fun stuff so they exchange a mirror ptc that's when they both have similar ptcs about growing up in the catholic church erica itms we're all sinners do we need god yes is he coming certainly not for this group no (laughs) they're lighting candles and setting intentions Dorit chooses not to light a candle, as she says Jewish people don't pray in churches. And they can set their intentions while they're brushing their teeth. Yeah, we see the women lighting candles and praying. Sutton lights a candle for her dad and Crystal. And then she ITMs a PTC about her dad dying by suicide. She says in the Catholic Church, you go to hell for suicide. But she was raised Presbyterian and she believes he went to heaven. Um, Erica makes a joke to Anna Marie about getting down on those knees. And then Erica ITMs that her intentions in life are to pick up, rebuild, move forward, and be prosperous, which is basically basically her storyline this season, I feel like. Yeah, I find Erica, I find her her legal stuff right now a little bit of MDS, which is um, our manufactured drama scale. So I think she's on there a little bit as far as wanting these other wives to apologize with her um about her being like fighting to keep these earrings which is crazy because she's probably spent at least twenty five thousand (laughs) dollars on a legal battle if she's already appealing from the bankruptcy court Mm -hmm. and just so everyone knows i didn't do consumer bankruptcy but i did do corporate bankruptcy work so i'm all in i'm all in on bankruptcy court discussions Yeah. Like, does she need the money? Yeah. More than the victims? Probably not. But it's another gloating play. I felt like both Erica and Anne-Marie were able to do like a little bit of a gloat play as far as like, like here I am. I really am a, a health, a helpful healthcare professional. And Erica's like, well, here I am. I, you know, like the court ruled exactly like I thought they were. Yeah. I feel like her, her lawyer up play at this point is less about money and it's more about clearing her name. She wants to be like that. The stuff, the money that I have the stuff that I'm keeping was not owed to the victims. And I need everyone to know that kind of a thing. Well, I think her not realizing the poor PR of fighting for a (laughs) pair of ostentiously expensive earrings that were paid for through fraud, or at least, you know, the lifestyle they were living was financed through fraud, which allowed them to be purchased and then wanting everyone else to celebrate that with her. That was my error of the game. 
I feel it's you. a small, it's a small error overall, but I, there were not a lot of major errors I felt like in this episode. So that was sort of at the end of the day, to me, that feels like the error. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's been continuing for a while now, but she, she definitely wants apologies and we're, we'll see if they come. Nothing happened this episode, but it, I feel like at some point yeah. she's going to nail She's going to nail them down and be like, why aren't you apologizing to me about yeah. this? And it's going to, and they're going to have to say like, which may actually unwind it as an error because it will allow for there to be more confrontation, which will be good in the long run, but just not for a good me, it's not a good look. No. <laughs> it's not <laughs> a good look. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to Sutton's sweater that she's wearing in the ITM with the flowers. Mm-hmm. It's like delicate lace or with feathers, not flowers, but feathers coming off of it. It's amazing. I don't know how you clean it. <laughs> you don't. You wear it once yeah. for your ITM and that's it. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so the women are starting to leave the chapel, but Sutton and Kyle stay behind and they have a little quiet discussion. Sutton says she had a dream about her father telling her that she was right, that he was tired. Kyle says a psychic told her that her friend Lorene, who recently died by suicide, the psychic told her Lorene is telling you that she doesn't understand what happened to her. Sutton says Kyle will never have those answers and that Lorene is at peace now. And Sutton takes this moment to play an apology. She says, I'm sorry I haven't been a better friend. I didn't usually I record our apologies. I didn't record this one because it was whispering and I just didn't think the audio would come out great, but it was very brief. Um, We do have an apology rubric that we use to grade our apologies. The reason being apology play is extremely important in the game of housewives. If you do not play apologies, you cannot repair friendships. If you do not repair friendships, you cannot stay on the show because you have no reason to be on the show if you're not friends with anyone. See Monica. (laughs) See Monica Monica, Salt Lake City. Uh, so I gave her a one for accountability and a half for specificity. So just a one and a half pointer. It was brief. That is exactly what I gave her. Yeah. Wow. So, we're getting on the same page we're, here. We're sinking up a little <laughs> bit. Um, so Bleacher Nation, for those of you who have just joined Bleacher Nation, <laughs> sometimes we have radically different takes, <laughs> but we often plead our case and mm-hmm. we come to, to consensus. Yeah. But just so you know, part of the rubric, there are points for one, taking accountability, two, being specific, three, acknowledging the impact of your behaviors, four, committing to fix, that that can get really dicey. I, there's a lot of things <laughs> I call a commitment to fix that don't, don't fly in Sandra's world. Five, a check-in. And then there are deductions that can be taken for snarky tone, for qualifiers, which are almost... Always, Always happening yeah. for, you know, <laughs> snarky face play and things like that. So that's how the rubric essentially works. Yes. And uh, Sutton, you know, she's, it's a very brief apology. There's not a lot of positive points, but no negative points. Like she's sincere in her apology. It's a very sincere moment. And I almost wonder, do you get extra points for apologizing in church? <laughs> <laughs> Sutton plays literal STCO for Kyle in this moment as Kyle rests her head on Sutton's shoulder and cries. Kyle ITMs that she happily accepts the apology and she's ready to move on and be in a different place. And in this moment, this is when I was like, yes, like Kyle often plays this way. She lets go easily once people take accountability and apologize. And I think this is part of her staying power as the only one in Beverly Hills who's been there since season one. Um, she might be, well, out of at least all the longer franchises, I think she's the only housewife who's left from season one, you know, I'm not counting like Salt Lake City, which is still new Miami. Right, 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 right. But like the ones that have like, you know, 12 plus seasons, I think she's the only one left as a full player. Some like left and came back, but she has been there all the way The whole time. Yeah. She's Um, amazing. But she's been able to forgive and move on with a lot of people over the years. And I think that says something. I can see why Mauricio is decided after, you know, 12 plus years, like, well, I'm going to go focus on my business now because <laughs> you're still filming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like he's always been focused on his business, but maybe. He, see, here. I don't know him historically as well. Yeah. So. Outside the chapel now, Sutton tells the ladies they're going to go see some of Barcelona, and if they have time, check out some shops. Um, and then in the van ride to their next destination, Crystal calls Anna Marie from the hospital. She's on an IV. She has some anti-nausea medication. She's feeling much better. The first destination is Poble Español. 
and their tour guide, Monolo, is singing and playing guitar. And we had a lot of bystanders this episode, a lot. There are a lot of bystanders in this episode, yes. But because this guy is able to be a tour guide and sing and play guitar, and he made it on the camera with his song, I gave him my bystander Bystander of of the week. And don't forget, he was playing guitar on one leg for a a significant portion of that. (laughs) He has great balance. So he must also do yoga. (laughs) As he's walking them around, Kyle asks, ¿Dónde están Hermes? And she ITMs that when she visits a new city, she likes to know where the closest Hermes is because to her, that's the, the center of the city. And she uses that as her compass. And I liked how they also, when he said his name was Manolo, Dory was like, como Blahnik? <laughs> like, like Manolo Blahnik? Um, so there was <laughs> a lot of nice show me the money moments in that. Yeah. So they sit to lunch. Um, Kyle helps them order in Spanish. Anna Marie is FaceTiming with her kids and she calls her husband, daddy. Like where's, she asked the kids like, where's daddy? And they're all making fun of her. Like, oh, you got your husband, daddy. Yeah, daddy. Uh, which I thought was a funny, kind of a funny one, but I was like, doesn't everyone do that? I know that's kind of what I did too. <laughs> I was like, why are, I, I totally didn't catch the first time I watched this through why they were mocking her. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> do, you, do you call John daddy? Well, nobody calls him daddy, um, really. So we call him dad um, in the house. You don't call him daddy. No one else can call him daddy. (laughs) Exactly right. (laughs) Unless we're like calling him big daddy or big poppy. (laughs) Big daddy. Yeah. (laughs) Now we're either in a Tennessee Williams play or we're doing a rap song. (laughs) Or you're in Um, hip hop. Yeah. We're, you know, no, but I liked Erica's sex forward commentary on that. Yeah. In our house, uh, Eric is dada. Dada. That's definitely not sexy at all. No, no. Yeah. I was mama for a long time, but I think I've transitioned to mom, sadly. Yeah. I think we're starting to get there with Riker. Um, But but he'd still call me mama in person, but like when he's around his friends at school, then it changes. Yeah. Well, Miles still wanted to bring a stuffy to the movie viewing yesterday. I was like, okay. (laughs) there i yeah i feel like especially at the school we're at uh it's um their childhood is being preserved longer which is yes yes that's all right middle school's coming the walls i know it is (laughs) (laughs) so erica itms she never called her husband daddy but she's called a few men lately daddy they all cheers to crystal Kyle asks Anna Marie how she and Crystal went from last night where they were kind of at each other to today where she was supporting her. And Anna Marie says the fake doctor thing is hurtful to her because she takes her profession very seriously. Erica says likely in hindsight now after this morning that Crystal probably won't say anything like that again. Anna Marie says she agrees. And what's important right now is that Crystal's okay. What I did like about this is that having a a spouse who is in the medical profession, you know, it is not at all surprising to me that Anne Marie's, that her professional nursing skills just take over. I mean, like nurses are like, they take care of those patients. Like they are the ones 24 seven who are really taking care of the patient in the room. And so to see that was not like, to me, I was like, well, yeah, of course that's how she would behave, which is how Anna Marie is sort of like, she's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, of course, like that's what you do. Yeah. I I mean, it would have been pretty bad play if she was like, I know Crystal might stroke (laughs) out, but I'm really fucking pissed at her right now. Uh, Yeah. Knowing the shit that nurses have to eat every day from obnoxious patients, which always boggles my mind. Mm. So having been on bed rest in a hospital for five weeks, Mm. like knowing some like that patients are being rude to the person who's in charge of taking care of them. I'm like, that's just, that's just stupid. Just like being rude to your waiter. Like these are people who have a lot of, a lot of ways to mess it. Not that a nurse ever would, but a waiter would for sure. Anyway. Garcelle takes this moment to talk about what happened with Dorit. So now we're going back to something that happened in a previous episode with them where Dorit said that Garcelle was attacking her and Garcelle was hurt by the wording of that because of the color of her skin. And she says 
to Dorit in this moment, how you talked to me made me feel a certain way. And they put in a face play from Dorit here where she's kind of like looking like an annoyed face. My gut says they pulled this from somewhere else and this wasn't Dorit's reaction in the moment. Agree, agree. Which is pretty shady. And they're doing all this like tense music like oh here comes the race discussion between the black woman and the white woman and then they cut to commercial and i'm gonna say it again i <laughs> sandra has everyone, sandra's got thoughts sandra sandra has strong thoughts on this if we something similar happened in salt lake city and i just feel like we need to hold these shows to like higher standards i don't think we should be using moments of racial tension as these cliffhanger moments. Like, I'm glad that they're letting these things play out on screen because I think that they can be learning moments, both for the people in the moment as well as for us watching at home. I think some other reality franchises try to cover up these things or pretend they're not happening or skirt over them. But I don't think we should be making like a spectacle of them in this way. Like treat them with the sensitivity and sincerity that they deserve. I definitely agree. I I just don't know. I would love to see the full unedited conversation is Mm. what I would love to see, because I think where production messes up is where they edit it so that we don't see the full conversation. Like the the version they give us here, and we'll talk about it when we get to it is, um, or I'll talk about it right now is there is this really awkward balance that suddenly happens where we're not actually talking as much about how Garcelle felt and what it is Mm. to walk a mile in a black woman's shoes. Suddenly we're talking more about Dorit being Jewish and facing anti-Semitic behaviors, which is great. Both of those are definitely things that need to be discussed and talked about. So, So that part to me was a little weird, And then I also just wonder how much of this, like having spent some time in Virginia going to school, they have, you know, like, does this really matter in politics? Is it just inside the Beltway drama? Like meaning just inside DC? Is it only those people who care Mm -hmm. about it? Or is this something that impacts the rest of the country kind of thing? Mm -hmm. And that's sort of how I feel about the Bravo versus race discussions. Like they're all kind of inside the beltway. Like it feels like a really big deal if you're following all the Bravo Twitters and Instas and it seems like a, a major thing. But then if you step back and you look at the outside world, like are these impacting anything outside of that? You know, like are we helping conversations? And maybe we are helping conversations with Bravo viewers. I don't know. But like, I, that's sort of where things often come out like a big nothing burger to me, where it just, there's all this build up and lead these cliffhangers. But then at the end of the day, you're like, oh, nothing really happened there. And one thing did happen in this conversation that I did like, but, but not a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, part of what I like about reality TV and it's sometimes it's for better, for worse kind of a thing is that they are really a glimpse into where we are as a society and it's like you can see like how far have we come in these things you know if we look at reality tv 10 years ago and was happening with, with like talking about race we look about what's happening reality right. tv now happening about race we've come a long ways and so i think it's interesting to watch that happen and see like where are we right now um but i know a, like people in other franchises have spoken i'm not sure if garcelle has as much about like in you know you think of like garcelle coming in as the only black woman on the cast and not only and you know i mean there's anna marie now but she wasn't there when garcelle first came in and not only does the rest of the cast not understand her experiences and perspectives but they also talk about the producers tend to be all white the cameramen the everyone who they're surrounded by um, and, you know, Rachel Lindsay has talked about this on The Bachelor. And I think that franchise is very different from Bravo. Like we're talking a much a much less liberal <laughs> kind of <laughs> franchise there. Um, but she talked about how it's like there was nobody there who could understand her perspective. Nobody she could talk to. And they also yeah. on Bachelor, they cut you off from your outside world. So you literally have no one else to talk to. Which we've discussed is is a sign that you may have joined a cult. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
so anyway, just like empathy for what Garcelle is going through and then having to be the one to like try and carry this conversation. And then they're like putting this gimmicky music over it and like, what's going to happen now? Um, yeah. Just like, it just felt blah. And so I don't like it. And I'm, I don't like it. I don't like it either. I so, said, well, well, let's, well, let's discuss this conversation um, as we go over what happens when we come back from commercial what do they call it? we come back from the the cliffhanger and i will say like and and given all that we have to talk about here it shouldn't be too much of a surprise that garcelle addressing the issue of racism is my play of the game because it does create a lot of conversation for everyone so even though okay. it's it is a, a method where she sort of wraps up one storyline of confrontation. Um, and that's always a good thing because it clears the way for potentially less explosive confrontation. So Garcelle tries to explain how it feels to be a black woman accused of attacking someone. And Dorit is basically upset that she's being reduced to being called a Karen. Mm-hmm. And we have this interesting moment where Garcelle says she doesn't think anyone there is a racist mm-hmm. and we can table the conversation about whether that's enough or if we need to go a step further and be anti-racist. Some things make Garcelle feel a certain way. Dorit is sheltered and doesn't understand the walk she's had to walk. And Dorit is very open to the feedback and appreciative of Garcelle talking to her openly, which is what you are getting at is sort of like, look at where we've come in 10 years that we can sit there and say like, yes, we have, and that's what happens at the end of the day is we all have a lot to learn and to be open to learning and making mistakes and helping correct mistakes kindly. Totally. And look how far Dorit has come from that dinner <laughs> conversation she had. Was it last episode, the episode before or whatever, where she first tries to clear things up with Garcelle and didn't seem like yeah. she could really uh, go do what she needed to do in that. No, in that she did not seem ready at that moment or understanding at yeah, that moment. She was still too defensive. Yeah. And she may have been and that, you know, because then she brings up when Garcelle talks about her being sheltered, she brings up growing up the daughter of a man, an Israeli man. And, you know, people asking her if she's Jewish, why doesn't she have horns and things like that? Yeah. So this is a, P- a PTC of hers. Yes. Which is great. We've got multiple PTCs. Right. And that, I guess that's one of those things that I wish we had gotten more from Garcelle is we don't really get the PTC she doesn't really open up about specific experiences or moments. She just, she's very vague in the way she talks, like it brings up certain feelings in me. I I would just be curious to hear a slightly more specific expression from mm-hmm. Garcelle on that. Dory says her experiences are nothing compared to Garcelle's, um, but it is an unfair characterization of her. And Dorit really wants Garcelle to let her know anytime she screws up or isn't aware of like these kind of microaggressions, et cetera. And Garcelle really takes that to heart um, and thanks her and says, you know, these are the things that bond us, really getting to know each other and hearing each other's sides. Yeah. And she, I was wondering, like, should we have a, can we have apology play without the I'm sorry part? Because what Dorit did a really good job of here is what is often not included in apology play, which was the commit to fix. She says, if if you tell me, I will make sure no matter what that I never say or do it again. And so she was she had she didn't say like, I am sorry for blah, blah, blah and blah, blah, blah. But she did the commit to fix piece, which is missing. So I was like, does that register on the apology rubric? I'm not sure. That's a good question. That's a good question. Bleacher Nation, write in. Give us your comments. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> Real Housewives of Bend, Oregon on Instagram. DM us. <laughs> but don't give us any tax lien information. <laughs> so Kyle kind of joins the fight and says how grateful she is also that Garcella's is open to them asking about these things and sort of being their, their anti-racist guru, so to speak. So, but yeah, that's one of the things I love about this conversation is we can learn, we can de-escalate arguments if we're willing to openly listen to the other side of the story. So mm-hmm. entire nation, not just Bleacher Nation, take a page out of this book. <laughs> All right. At the end of lunch, Sutton is back to cat wrangling. She explains they only have a certain amount of time, I think because of Crystal's IFI, mm-hmm. that they can really just 
quickly look at Old Town Barcelona and then they've got to go. And maybe they'll get a little bit of time to shop. Dorit is very upset that Sutton won't let them shop. She's mm -hmm. like, how could you bring us here and not let us do that? And she kind of forces it as they go by a shop that sells fans, little handheld, beautiful fans. Yeah, I was like, really? That, this is the shop that you're like, no, oh, I have to go in the fan shop. Well, the fan shop also sells velvet bikinis and jewelry. <laughs> and so other women like Garcelle and Erica, they want to go to the jewelry store. So they go. Sutton puts a three-minute timer on them. And so we get this montage of rapid fire shopping. And we get these little ITMs. Where, you know, Kyle is talking about knowing her credit card by heart. I know mine as well oh. by heart, um, but the, I don't <laughs> think that would make me able to sit there and in three minutes buy a velvet bikini mm -hmm. and a random assortment of jewelry, including a ring that she says it's too small, but I'm going to buy it anywhere. <laughs> it's a good ring. It's a, apparently, I guess she can give it to somebody. So that's sort of how we end this section with our show me the money plays by everybody. Impressive. Very impressive. <laughs> so, Very impressive. Yes. <laughs> so we come back from a commercial. We get some more beautiful shots of Barcelona. The ladies are arriving back at their dwellings. Crystal is back and in her room. So they all go visit her and sit around her on her bed. She says she was put on high blood pressure medication. And Crystal thanks them for being there. She produces tears. And once again, Anna Marie plays STCO to her in this moment. Crystal ITMs um, about her IFI. She's producing tears in the ITM. What if she had a stroke and left her young family? This is a fear of that injury, fear, and illness play. She appreciates Anna Marie for putting aside their differences in that moment to be there for her. Crystal says she's going to take it easy and she's not going to drink. Erica says, we'll drink for you. And Kyle says, welcome to the club and high fives her. They're both not drinking now. And Erica calls them the sober Susies. Now it's time to get ready for dinner. Garcelle is getting some glam. Sutton is getting some glam. She says Mercury is in retrograde and that's why their day was so crazy. Sutton has such... An open conception of um, the many religious and astronomical factors at play in their lives. She's really, she really starts off, you know, in the church in the beginning. There's just, you know, she's like, lighting a candle makes me feel closer to God, which makes me feel closer to my father and my, you know, like my father's up in heaven because I'm Presbyterian, not Catholic. And, and now we've got astrology. So I really enjoyed <laughs> her many faceted understanding of spirituality of her own spirituality. <laughs> yeah. She's Sutton is an interesting person. That's kind of what we learn on this episode. I feel like Crystal calls her husband. What's her husband's name? Rob. Rob. That, so that sounds right. Just look up whoever like directed or produced finding Nemo. I think when it, when in doubt guess John <laughs> or Justin <laughs> or Jack, <laughs> <laughs> something with a J. Uh, she calls Rob and says she's feeling better and she's going to rally for pie paella making class and she's drinking lots of fluids. Kyle calls her husband, Mauricio. The connection is bad. She can't see him. The call is breaking up and Kyle is annoyed. This is such a metaphor. I know. They never show us any normal moments between Kyle and Mauricio. Maybe yeah, they don't they're... have any anymore, but they're reminding us there's trouble in paradise. So keep watching. It's coming. I, I think this is all, a lot of it is edit. Um, although Kyle definitely just always seems irritated with him right yeah. now. Mm -hmm. Erica's getting glam and she's telling her makeup artist, now we're going to have to entertain Sutton's friends out here with the paella making. She says Sutton describes them as erudite and she spells that word and they put a definition on the screen, which is having or showing great knowledge or learning. Whatever, Erica says. <laughs> uh, Sutton is flustered. She's grabbing Merce's ashes. She's trying to get everyone to be ready on time for dinner. And Erica, we're back with Erica and her makeup artist. And she said she's talking about the other woman and saying they shouldn't have talked shit about me with those earrings. She's had a lot to drink already. She does not seem to be looking forward to the paella making. And at this point, I'm thinking like something like she's going to bring up some confrontation play or something's going to go down. 
but it turned out different from that. And either way, this pre-partying moment of glam with her glam team that set Erica up to be sloshed and give us a fantastic dinner of entertainment was my play Play of the game. game. Excellent. Excellent. Drunk Erica. She's a lot of fun. (laughs) Sutton's erudite friend, Trevor, arrives with his other friends and... Sutton says she used to get into trouble with Trevor, and it's how she learned some words. Conflama, no, conflama, (laughs) I don't know, conflama, conflama, which is conflict and drama, and pakachta, which means fucked up in Yiddish, (laughs) and she also learned what teabagging was. (laughs) <laughs> I like that the producers asked her, what is her opinion on teabagging? And she's, what did she say exactly? I can't remember. Didn't write it <laughs> but down, she's but like, it was something like, I'm I'm fine with it or like, I'll accept yeah, it. Yeah, she, it was just, it was a very, very cute Sutton moment. Um, <laughs> I loved it. So now all the players and the erudite friends are coming together outside and meeting each other. And Erica is in full host mode. She's introducing herself to Trevor, saying they've heard so much about him. And she's complimenting Sutton and Dorit ITMs that you can tell when Erica is drunk when she gets over the top with her compliments. Like, Sutton, you're a beautiful soul. That was actually my face play of the game game. was Sutton's reaction to that (laughs) that they show, I think, a couple of times because they replay Erica like this is how we know Erica's drunk. Um, Yeah, and and they just have this moment where Sutton's like, uh, what... (laughs) What what are you doing? Like, yeah. what's, what's wrong with you? Yeah, you're <laughs> ruining the night. Yeah, they. Um, I'm watching Erica in this moment, and she brings it. She ended up bringing this up later, but I was having that moment where I was like, "This is this is used to be what Erica had to do for her husband Tom was like all these parties where she had to like play the good host and like." And I feel yeah. like it's not, I feel like it's actually not her natural self, but she's done it so much. She's become really good at it. And so it's funny to see her just like slip into this role of like, oh no, you go get a drink first. No, no, no. You, I insist you're the guest. You get a drink first. Well, and it's super interesting to think about too, because she brings up later in the episode, not having anything above a high school diploma mm-hmm. and how she, you know, loves to learn. And you just think, imagine you know, what it would feel like to be that person in a room filled with money and money people mm. and highly educated people who, yeah. you know, have gone to all the Ivies and all that shit. You know, it's like she, she, you know, she's got a great story to tell about yeah. all that. I would she's, read her book for sure. Yeah, she has one. She wrote a book. She has one. Oh, I have not read it. Well, hell, she's I need to get on that. <laughs> Then we get a little flash forward that Erica is going to bring up that Merce was in a Ziploc bag later at the commercial. So we have that to look forward to. No, we do. So we come back from commercial and we still have everyone meeting everyone, sort of getting to know you. And we get a little TFP for Kyle, um, it appears. Oh, Kyle, so the, T, the TFP is tardy for the party. Um, and Sandra can give you the history of that for our, any new, um, RHOBH listeners. Yeah. So the tardy for the party is awarded to the last person to show up to an event. And a lot of times producers will tell the women when to show up and they will keep, they will specifically assign the person currently embroiled in the most drama to show up last to kind of like get the tension high before they come. And it's, you know, it's named after the song from the early seasons of Real Housewives of Atlanta uh, with Kim Zolciak. Tardy for the party. We need to just, I need to create like a sound because I think you can do like a really brief. Oh yeah, that would be A little brief section of a song without being like call it for copyright right so i should really just need yeah. to put that together and we can play it every time we then we can just TV. drop it when we award it yeah, yeah yeah i love it so i didn't i didn't note that that um that kyle got the tfp yeah she got the tfp she's habitually getting the tfp in barcelona i think because she is just taking the most time to get ready and just i don't you know. think she has a glam team with her maybe that's why maybe she has to maybe. do it all herself that's a lot of work So Storm, the chef, gathers everyone to meet his father and watch the paella lesson. And we have this very awkward little flirting moment between Garcelle and Storm and Storm's father, (laughs) which is really fun. And we get 
a nice sort of sex positive, sex forward ITM from Garcelle about moving to Spain to marry Storm's father and essentially intimating that she will have relations with both the father and the son. <laughs> and there's, you know, it cuts back and forth to all of the party goers standing around watching this paella lesson and a joke about Sutton also wanting to be involved with Storm. And Sutton has an ITM where she says she will lose out to Garcelle because of her smaller bosom. <laughs> oh, <laughs> So she used the word bosom. Small bosom PTC. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is this a PTC? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I would love a smaller bosom. I would love one too. You always want what you don't have. Right, exactly. So we get a little dialogue of working out the Crystal Anna Marie squabble and Crystal appreciating seeing how kind Anna Marie was to her. Um, and I, I wish we had kind of seen a little bit more of that, which was kind of another minor error by production. During this piece, I finally started like tuning into what everyone's wearing. I wasn't, nothing super jumped out at me earlier in the day, but I was at this point, I, when I was thinking of my fashion play of the game, I was kind of between Erica's snakeskin teal, like deep V dress. And then either that or Crystal was wearing like a neon yellow green two piece with puffy sleeves which uh -huh. I like, you know, really stood out because it was that neon, like yellow greenish color. But then they cut to Garcelle's ITM and she's wearing that same neon yellow green color in the ITM. And then I was remembering that in Salt Lake City, Whitney wore that neon yellow or neon yellow green, like dress to the finale. And I was like, Is, was that just the in color last season? <laughs> I was like, maybe it's, there's too much neon yellow green. So I I um I cut that from my list. I was like, it's too much. I can't take it. So at this point, I was leaning towards Erica's snakeskin teal deep V cut, but I did not. I did not crown her with the fashion play of the game. I know. I sort of the only thing that on uh, my second watch that almost unseated my fashion play was that was Sutton's ITM lace top with feathers hmm. because I just was like. Yeah. I don't even think you could dry clean that thing. I don't even know. <laughs> My overall impression at this moment is that was not much of a cooking class, or at least it didn't have much buy-in from the crowd. Mm -hmm. They all go to sit to eat their delicious paella. Kyle also tardy for the party to the table. And she makes a little <laughs> joke because she's sort of stuck there at the end. And so she makes a joke about welcome to my party. So <laughs> Dorit asks for gossip about Sutton and Trevor talks about how Sutton was when she and Trevor were in the Merce Cunningham dance troop dance. What, what, what did they call it? I don't know. Dance. I don't know either. Ensemble. So, ensemble. And we find out that Sutton's always been a little bit of a school marm, always acting like she was in charge, even though she wasn't. <laughs> and we get this really nice walk down history lane of Sutton talking about her time in Brooklyn being totally broke. Um, but just, I mean, I remember those days when I first started out and <laughs> living in Brooklyn. Uh, my six-figure salary as a lawyer um, and how broke I... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Rough time. My friend... I had friends who, you know, had five I mean, you were roommates. probably paying back a six-figure loan, though, so... That's true. <laughs> I was paying back a six-figure loan, um, but I was living a pretty cush life, so... Um, <laughs> Anyway, but I just, I do love, like, I, I have that same feeling of that love of that was the time in my life when I was like, for the first time, truly 100% independent on my own um, in New York City. And, and I, when I was teaching theater, like, that's what I always told my students is like, you've got to go spend five years living in New York and mm -hmm. just soaking it up. So yeah, and then Erica called Brooklyn a dump, which really upset me. And then Kyle I, I gives pleased. this like perfect O mouth face play to that. Um, <laughs> and I was laughing so hard at that little exchange. And this, and this little O, like she did not just say that face play by Kyle was my face play of the game. It was almost my error of the game as well. So not the face play, but the comment. But the, the comment. <laughs> Brooklyn, what a dump. What a dump. <laughs> Um, so I was just like, Erica, you're going to lose the Brooklyn vote right there. Come on now. <laughs> 
So, and it was at that moment that I noticed one of the guests whose name I never really caught and the one who compliments the architect and calls her an icon, although it sounded like acorn. And I was like, why is he calling her an acorn? Did he mean unicorn? I don't know what's going on here. But anyway, at first I was like, he looks a lot like Pierce Brosnan, but then he spoke and I was like, oh my God, this guy is the love child of Pierce Brosnan and Will Ferrell as Ron Burgundy in Anchorman. It was brilliant. So he was my bystander (laughs) of the week, just because once I saw that, I couldn't unsee it. Wow. (laughs) The love child of, say it again. Pierce Brosnan and Pierce Brosnan. He was Remington Steele on the TV show Remington Steele, which was probably a little before your time. And then he also was briefly a James Bond. And he was the romantic interest in Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, he's in Mamma Mia. He's the actual dad in Mamma Mia, the one who can't sing at all in the movie. Okay. Don't remember, but okay. Sandra is just not <laughs> up on anything outside of but the I, Bravo Anchorman, verse and I know. personality. I got well, I'm glad you know Anchorman. <laughs> so anyway, the the conversation at dinner is going, and Erica drops that Merce was in a Ziploc bag, which is when it becomes very clear to everyone that Erica is drunk. <laughs> and then we go to commercial. Yes. And we get Erica's Erica's line about Merce being in a Ziploc bag. There's face play around the table. Like, oh, why is she bringing this up? Have you seen on Insta? There's so many great memes that are like Merce is in the purse that are like all of these Dr. Seuss style memes (laughs) by Erica Jane. (laughs) We haven't gotten to the Merce in the purse part yet. Dorit ITMs that Merce should not be in a Ziploc. Kyle suggests maybe a little silk pouch. Um, Sutton ITMs that that's how ashes come in a big bag, like when you get a goldfish. They do. My moms were like that. <laughs> I like how she she mimes it with her hands. Uh-huh. Because it's <laughs> big and heavy. It, it is. Yeah. It is. I mean, when you just get a little bit, like when they gave me my dad's, they were just in like a little prescription pill bottle because we didn't get the bulk oh. of the ashes, just like a sample size. Same. Then at the table, Sutton tells everyone that Kyle's mom's ashes are in a bathroom right now. Kyle ATMs, she was worried about them getting knocked over, so they're in the guest bathroom, and it's a very beautiful bathroom. Nothing really seems to come of this, though. They've moved on in conversation, and we start meeting the erudite friends. One of them is a Nabini Siegel, a rapper. One of them is touted as the number one architect in Barcelona, and they show a picture of one of the buildings that she's architected, uh, the Santa <laughs> Cat- Caterina Mercado. It oh. looked amazing. It was a very neat building. Barcelona is known for some amazing architecture, obviously. Um, and it's cool that that's like a place where other architects are going and flourishing as well. Yeah. One of them has lived in both Sacramento, which is where I grew up, and all over the Middle East and has a Lebanese father and a Palestinian mother. And Erica asks if she grew up Christian or Muslim and is she and she was able to comment on the different types of Muslims. And she ITMs that she's used to dining with er, with the erudite because of her marriage to Tom. And she says erudites love to talk. So she just asks a lot of questions. I just like that we've we've basically we have housewifed the word erudites now, like because <laughs> that's not normally how how you would use that as a noun. Erica knows um, a lot of the things that this woman's talking about with regards to civil war, profits, and all the women are taken aback that she knows so much about this and can hold a conversation about it. Crystal says, "I don't know what happens to Erica when she gets drunk, but she suddenly becomes the world prophet." And Dorit ITMs that it's like watching drunk Rain Man. Which was my quip of the week, if that were to be a thing. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sutton takes Merce's ashes out and Erica says, Merce is in the purse. And we get face play (laughs) all around. I mean, that that's not your quip Uh, of the week. That's really good. No, no, that's too popular. It's too popular. It's too obvious. Too obvious. I like to go for a little more subtle. <laughs> Sutton says Merce has been with her for 10 years and she can't wait to spread his ashes around here and in the sea. She gives compliments to the chef, but they have disappeared. Garcelle says the father is in her room. And Erica says, when you're finished, give him a Viagra and send him to my room. 
They cheers Viva España and they scatter. Erica almost takes a spill, but she recovers. Uh, so we're after dinner. They're milling around. Kyle's looking for chocolate. Erica's on the bed, like standing on the bed in Garcelle's room wearing sunglasses. Kyle joins them and they ask Erica how she knows so much stuff. And she says she's been fortunate to know a lot of smart people and ask a lot of questions. I really like that. I like that she, you know, like, I think that is, that is the mark of a good host or hostess, I think, Mm. is to ask questions of your guests or of other people. And it has been said, I have read that the person who does the most talking in a conversation usually walks away feeling the best about Mm. it. And so that's why you ask those questions, right? To, To give them an opportunity to shine and be the focus of attention. Yeah. I actually really admire that trait in people when they are Gen- when they seem genuinely curious and ask a lot of questions and like, yeah. and it seems like Erica's not just asking, but she's retaining and she's because she's actually yeah. genuinely interested in what uh, people have to say. Yeah. Like she seems like a person who is just like you say, genuinely interested in knowing about people, about things, about mm-hmm. stuff in life. Yeah. yeah. Garcelle has says they have to get out of her room because the chef's dad is coming over and Erica seems to believe her and she has to clarify <laughs> that she's joking. Back in the yard, Sutton is talking to Trevor. He's telling her she was a goody two-shoes back in the day and not as comfortable in her own skin as she is today. Trevor says he always called her lady because he knew that she would grow up and be a beautiful lady and she's right where she's supposed to be. I really loved this. I think, what did I say my play of the game was? Because, oh, I said it was (laughs) Erica getting pre-partying. Yeah, I think it's close, but this is real. This really like bringing, choosing to bring Trevor in, so it it really gave us a closer glimpse of who Sutton was, is, and was, and like her like evolution as a person. Uh, and I really liked it. I just thought that was really good play on Sutton's part. I did too. I feel you know, in, in my catch up watching on this franchise, this was such a great episode to get to see and learn so much more about Sutton. Yeah, um, it really, it really, it really taught me a lot of things that made me really enjoy her more as yeah. a character. For I sure. agree. I agree. And Sutton says, uh, after he says that she's right where she's supposed to be, she says, so is Merce, right on top of her Dolce and Gabbana. And we cut to commercial. And then we come back from commercial to the morning routine montage, including Anna Marie working out and including Erica with no makeup and a hangover. And we get a flashback of her evening and they saved one scene we didn't get to see before, which was her just sort of passing out onto her plate and just like (laughs) falling forward into the table. Um, Garcelle comes into Crystal's room to check in on her. So we've got a little Florence Nightingale, like not really an STCO, but kind of, you know, just a little caretaker action. They do a little blood pressure checking and Crystal continues to get to play her IFI and be upset, you know, like she's really upset about how she felt and how worried she was. So it's hard to call it like playing an IFI, but definitely authentic drama. Yes. Authentic authentic play. I agree. So then we've got Kyle in her room and Sutton comes in wearing these amazing pajamas, um, which were not not my fashion play of the game. It's not happened yet. Well, I thought that because Kyle asks her, like, did you sleep in these? And Sutton says, no, these are my flower delivery pajamas. So I thought that Sutton putting on these specific pink jewel encrusted Gucci pajamas specifically to make flower deliveries, not because they were actually the pajamas she wore to bed, made this my fashion play of the game. It is a fantastic choice. They were truly (laughs) phenomenal. And I like that you're bringing out that specific piece on how these were these were solely for one very discreet yes. purpose. She made room in her she made room in her luggage just to bring flower delivering pajamas. Yes. This is Sutton is continuing with her spirituality, her guru play. So she is handing Kyle this beautiful, it looks kind of like a lay. It's a floral necklace that um she says it's the flower of Spain and 
They're going to all wear these when she goes to spread Mercy's ashes. And then everyone will get to throw these into the ocean to release whatever it is in their lives they need to get rid of. Um, and she wants them to really dig deep. Then we get sort of the family check-in um, montage. We've got Dorit calling and we've got a little manufactured drama from her on PK not being at home while she is gone. And we have her getting glammed and talking to the dog at the same time as one does. Now, Sutton is getting dressed in her room and I love she's got this the sleeveless sweater vest that's kind of like yellow with like these light blue and like rose. Stri I don't know. It's just a really lovely striped sweater vest paired with white jeans, socks that have dogs on them and these funky floral sneakers. And it was just a great outfit. It was my fashion play fashion of play the game. Of I love this okay. little outfit. Sutton got you. She got both of us. That, she got both of us. That, well, she had my two runners up as well. So she did great work fashion-wise. <laughs> but then we've got a great STCO moment. Kyle comes in and she is the shoulder to cry on as Sutton is kind of having a little bit of an emotional breakdown. We've got tear play with her glam team. And she doesn't understand why she's so emotional right now. Um, and then we get a really lovely PTC package about her losing her dad's Ziploc of her share of his ashes, of learning how much Merce is kind of tied up in her unresolved emotions about her father's death and also how this is symbolic of her letting go of the ashes of her marriage mm -hmm. and about her being angry. So, and we also get a separate PTC dropped in there about how when she asked her husband, her ex-husband to work on the marriage and go to therapy. And she said, we're going to separate and live in different places while we do that. The moment she moved out, he apparently you know, just switch tax and immediately said, no, we're getting divorced. Mm. So she talks about feeling alone. She admits to suppressing the emotions about these three very important men in her life, her dad, Merce, and her ex-husband, and how she has to go be that 24-year-old girl in New York again. And the whole time Kyle is there and she's comforting Sutton. And it's really just... It's the the second beautiful moment between Kyle and Sutton of this game. Mm -hmm. It was really lovely. Beautiful, yeah, it was beautiful, beautifully played by both of them. And that's kind of how we wrap up this episode um, with all of that PTC. And we see next week we're going to have comedy on a van. So for those of you who are familiar with our coverage of Salt Lake City, usually it's anger in a van. Anger in a van. <laughs> um, but next week we're going to get to have some moments of comedy in a van. We're going to have. Merce, um, Merce's ashes essentially blowing. <laughs> Nobody did a wind <laughs> check. Hello. Yeah. And so the ashes just blow right back into them. And then we see the women, um, one of them having a moment similar to when I had posted before of walking in cobblestones in spike heels. Don't mm. recommend. Mm -mm. Um, and the ladies all in red dresses to go flamencoing, which looks a lot of fun. And then we have Erica talking about earning the trust, how the ladies all have to earn her trust, basically, kind of going back to her mm -hmm. legal play. And then we've got uh, a little glimpse of Kyle and Mauricio and some marital issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, seems Love. like she's going to maybe open up a little bit about that. That's it. That's our first episode of yeah. coverage of Beverly Hills. It's very exciting. Yeah. So who was your standout player? Who was the MVP of this episode for you? My most valuable player, I will have to say for her role wrangling cats, AKA other housewives, for rolling out a lot of her personal history, for opening up about multiple PTCs, for having Merce in a purse, um, for being a surprise <laughs> spiritual guru, mm -hmm. and for generally bringing authentic emotion and catharsis and using the word bosom Sutton is my MVP. Oh, Sutton. It was a good episode for her. It was. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I'm very curious to hear what you said. Well, for her father died by suicide, but is still in heaven, PTC. For her STCO play to Kyle in the chapel. 
for her apology play to Kyle, which mended their friendship, for bringing her erudite friend Trevor to dinner, which allowed us to learn more about her than we probably ever have in previous seasons, for her ability to have a sense of humor about Merce in the purse, for her pink Gucci flower delivery pajama fashion play, and for her closing all the men in my life have left me PTC package. Sutton <laughs> was my MVP. MVP. I like that. That PTC package was all the men in my life have left me. What a great call. <laughs> what a great call. I forgot to mention, she also was my top three fashion plays of the show. That's, That's a good point true. too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is a great episode for Sutton. I really feel like we learned so much more about her and got to know her better than we ever have. So I think yeah. we both we both agree here. Yes, it happens. Yeah, I mean, I kind of <laughs> wanted to give it to Erica just because she was so entertaining during the dinner. But when you look at episode wide, I think Sutton really pulled it off. Sutton really did. Sutton really did. Kyle was kind of an interesting, like silent partner in a lot of that too. So yeah, which was... is, I feel like kind of how Kyle plays all the time. Yeah, which well, not is all the time, most of the time. Yeah. So if I were to try and draw parallels in some ways, you know, Sutton is a little or not Sutton. Kyle is a little bit of that Heather Gay, like just that that mm. glue that you feel kind of holds it all together a little bit. Mm. Yeah. But I don't know. Everyone is so different franchise to franchise. So, yeah. Well, uh, something else I noticed that this episode is that nobody reset the E-Wib. No, we had which, no e-wibbing or we had no resetting. <laughs> <laughs> which is very refreshing. So the e-wib, that's our episodes without invoking bitch. Um, so we keep track of how long the women can go without using bitch in a derogatory manner. And we we only instigated, we only um, instituted this. Yes count in the last like few episodes of salt lake city and we every single episode it was reset so yeah. we haven't had <laughs> a we haven't been able to get up and count so we're at, at least one now but i don't know because we haven't been keeping track how big it is i know it's less than 14 because i remember towards the beginning of this season dorit saying of erica in in itm that's not a showman that's a bitch um i remember that line so uh at least has not been all season long but it's um you know maybe if we keep going we're gonna have to go back and see how long it's been since someone said yeah the b word yeah i feel like yeah like i could see dorit i can see erica and i could see crystal being our sort of our dangerous characters for resetting the e-wib for some reason mm -hmm. just because the last few episodes crystal has been on fire like <laughs> when she gets when she gets mad about something man she's in your face which is fine and <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so that was our fun first episode of beverly hills we still are planning to sit down and do a wrap-up of salt lake city yes we're hoping to get that out to you all next week yeah. And uh, in that episode, we will pick our MVP of the season, our error of the season, all that fun stuff. Uh, you can follow us on Real Housewives of Bend, Oregon on Instagram. You can find us on TikTok too. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, please. Review us on Apple Podcasts and please share us with anyone else who listens to Housewives or anyone who you think should listen to Housewives. Exactly. If there's anybody in your life who's busy talking about how reality TV is trash and why do you watch that? You can say, well, if you watch sports, then you have to you have to listen to this and and learn how this is also a sport it is and a sport. just as valuable as the NFL <laughs> or more or more so because <laughs> it makes you a better person. It's made me a better person already a couple of in a couple of ways. Well, much like Whitney and Lisa, I would like you to admit that I have made you a better person now. Oh, Sandra dragged me into this pit. <laughs> and so Sandra has made me a better person. And I appreciate that. I'm glad our friendship has um, had such a positive influence on you and that you're working on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's also improved my apology play. <laughs> I had to I had to use the apology play rubric with to repair something with a neighbor lately. Oh, how'd it go? Painful. Ugh, it's just I was I had empathy for the housewives players. I was like, this sucks. When you, also when you feel like you're not really in the wrong, but you have to do it to repair the friendship. Yeah. It's like, okay. 
Was but this a worked. neighbor who was at the the painting thing? No, this is not a neighbor that I'm like very friendly with. It's just someone who's okay. pissed off about something that happened with the dog. How could anybody be upset about yeah, anything? My little 16 pounds of fluffball dog that she was like yeah. terif terrified was going to kill her and her two like large, humongous dogs. But anyway, I was very sorry and I was committing to fix and I was acknowledging my impact and all that. And it worked. Well, there you go. I even played a PTC. It worked really well. So I, what was I, your PTC? I, I talked about my chronic illness and how I'd had a massive headache the morning that the incident happened and yeah. it was good. It endeared me to her. She uh, saw me as a human and not as like the, the obnoxious neighbor. Yeah, it's it very good. Right? This is all how we bring this country back together, everyone. That's what we're <laughs> one step at a time. Sandra and I are going to heal the nation. <laughs>